Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. All are welcome as friends of the pod. We're back. After a book launch and a week off, Tim Ayers is here to guide us through how do we can be champions of injustice and healers to pain. Dave's not here, so we're going to get fired up about hatred and decay without him. But before any of that, now that they're finished discovering their own calling. Oh, but I don't know what I am. Let's welcome in our favorite stewards and activists, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. You know, well played, Tyler. Yeah. Well played. <laughs> Man, you're just sharp as a razor. Man, I was listening. We're, we've been out of town. Yeah. And so I, I was listening to the sermon today, and I was just like cracking up at Dave, just trying to say, What is my calling? <laughs> But instead, he's oh, like, but I don't know what I am. <laughs> oh, guys, it's been a while it since we've been, been here. Tim, welcome yeah, back. Thanks. It's good to be here. Um, last time we saw each other, we were doing a live show. True. That's, yeah. That was Seems wild. like, Seems like only yesterday. And we were oh. so far apart yeah, from we one were another. <laughs> spread out on couches. This, is, yeah. this feels better. I, I feel thought like it was good, though. I was like sore afterwards for having to like <laughs> lean in such, a, <laughs> such an awkward way to see you. Yeah. Also, <laughs> if you if you were wondering why our interactions didn't seem like entirely natural, it's because half the time we couldn't actually hear what was being said because we had no monitors. Yeah. yeah. We just heard what was being reflected from the speakers above us. So I, I had fun, though. No, it's, no, it's a blast. It just, yeah. there were times when I was like, I think I heard yeah. what they just said. I just want to thank all the listeners for coming out. That yeah. was we had so fun. Over 400 people came, close to 500 books sold. It was great. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Tim, you were there. I was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming. Yeah. It's glad to be there. Um, all right. Let's catch up. Marin. You're the only, you 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 were holding down the fort last week. You and I was. Tim. I missed you terribly. I I just want to ask that if you are going to go away, could you not do it at the same time anymore? Yeah, Barry and I went on vacation together. Oh my goodness, the sadness. But I brought you uh, birthday gifts. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. No. So um, Barry, you spread good vibes wherever you go. Oh, it was our bir- it was both of our Tyler, birthdays last uh, week. Something yeah. about this transformer reminded me of you. Oh, this I didn't get the transformer bag. So yeah, do you want us to open guys? it on the of show? Of course I do. <laughs> Why would I have brought oh, it man. to the show? Baron, I didn't get you anything. That's because it's not my birthday, friends. <laughs> oh, it's a bag <laughs> of Estilo Casero oh, Mexican kitchen style <laughs> chips. chips. Only the <sighs> greatest tortilla chip ever created by human hands. Did you make this, lit- hand make this bow? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> It's beautiful, Marin. Thank you. From Chicago. You. Yeah, we're, we're straight we just, to your hands. Both opened up a 16-ounce bag of uh, chips. El, El Milagro. El Milagro. El Milagro. These are your favorite the chips. Miracle. The greatest chips. Yeah. The miracle. Yeah, chips. you guys Correct. are older now. You're wiser. You've seen bad chips. You know what bad chips are like. Yeah, it's, time to, <laughs> it's time to embrace good chips. Thank you, Marin. That was, was really thoughtful. Guys. Get you a fresh bag <laughs> yeah. of Scoops Tostitos. <laughs> <laughs> the best. Stale. Old ones. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so now would probably be a bad time to tell you that I'm realizing, okay, we go on vacation. It's like, man, I just ate a ton of Cheez-Its and te- Cheetos. I got to like get it together. Yeah. And yeah. so I've just been doing like protein shakes and water. Put some of those in there. Chips? A little uh, texture. To the right. protein shake. <laughs> Yum. Yum. Uh, so what did we miss? What happened last week in Indiana while we were gone? In Indiana? Yeah. You guys were here. <laughs> or at Grace. Either one. We were. See, it's 
why is time like this? Now I'm having to go back and remember right. what I was doing two weeks ago. And that or is, last week. It feels almost harmful. Or yesterday. Well, harmful to my see, brain. Two weeks ago on the weekend, Saturday night, we had a tornado warning. Really? Oh, man. That's right. Rain was blasting away from 4.15 to about 7.30, which means like... <laughs> The whole time the room yeah. sounded like that there was a drum corps on the roof. This is at your house? No, it oh, was at church. I was trying to preach. <laughs> and then and then to make it all the better was the clock change, you know, the daylight savings oh, time. Yeah. Oh man. So the nine o'clock service. <laughs> so liter- literally people came in their pajamas. It was so bad. It was <laughs> Oh man. Was, right, was, right. And I was at Fisher's for that and Fisher's ran out of coffee the first service. So eleven didn't get any. I don't something broke. <laughs> daylight saving time. What something is going broke, on? But it was Crazy. just the worst possible time. It's a double whammy. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. Maggie Johnson was the host at Fishers and she said it was spiritual warfare. That was <laughs> probably spot true. on. Man. Well, all right. So Tim, you preached two weeks ago. I did. Two weekends ago. And at the live event, you said, Man, every time I preach, you guys go out of town. Well, I said that you mean about to me. the pod. Yeah, yeah, about the pod. Because last time Tim preached yes. was like close to New Year's and we were yeah. like, Yeah, we're taking time off. And then this time yes. <laughs> Barry and I go out of town. Like, man. That's I'm true. relieved gotta, to see him here because yeah. I was afraid we were going to have to skip Tim again. Yeah, and that right. is just not right. Not, like I'm a passionate <laughs> fighter for justice. <laughs> That's fine. Just not, it's not right to not <laughs> just, have Tim again. Oh, yeah, do you that, know why dad's not here? No, I, 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 I don't even I assume I he'd do. be okay with why is sharing that, right? Yeah. Where's okay. he? So he is in Florida, not for vacation, but he's actually down there connecting with a group of snowbirds, grace people Aww. who are in Florida for the winter. And he said there's something like 20, 25 people that are right. all meeting up How in cool. right, Fort Myers or something like that. Right. So Wow. That's that really, cool? really so, cool. Yeah, because it it's this re- dawning realization that a lot of grace people are just gone for the winter because they've right. been around grace forever, but they... They spend their winters down in Florida. So, wow. isn't that cool? That's so, that's where he is right now. To, uh, shout yeah. out to any snowbird yeah. listeners. Well, he, he deserves to do something in Florida after the couple weeks he's had of just <laughs> yeah. like, it's been a lot. Going everywhere and doing everything and oh, talking yeah. to everybody. And, Merge retreat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's been yeah. busy. He said he might rent a bike on Santabel yet for yesterday. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Had, and was just going to ride around. I thought that'd be great for him. Yeah. Yeah. So, did you guys connect with the gray snowbirds on the beach? Uh, no. <laughs> But I did find out there were other staff members where we were. We went to Anna Maria Island in mm-hmm. Florida, which is kind of like the best kept secret of Florida. Not anymore. Except Not for anymore. spring break. Now, <laughs> now that it's out. Now, now spring that the legions go down of there. pod listeners. Yeah. Now that it's going to get the between Sundays bump. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, we, we went down there and we rented scooters. We being you and your wife. Just me and Me you. and my wife. And <laughs> yeah, just Tyler and me. Our, Scooters, just yeah, the two yeah. of you, the two of us and our wives, and then my wife's sister Lexi and her husband Jeff. The, yeah. the six of us went down. Got a house. It was like two blocks from the beach. It was perfect. Yeah, it was, it was great weather. Uh, we did rent like Vespa scooters one day and just kind of scooted around the island. It was so, pretty peaceful. There was one group of spring breakers that was down the beach at one point, and it was just a lot of drama. Clearly, someone I heard one girl just yelling like, "Well, if Becky thinks that I'm fat and ugly, then I should." And there was just a lot of yelling oh and drama. God. And but other than spring that, it was break. yeah. Where, it was where wild. is it in Florida? Um, it's kind of close to North, St. Pete and Tampa. Tampa, it's okay. north Sarasota of Bradenton, area. north of Bradenton. Yeah. Okay. So what other staff people were there? Yeah. You know? uh, Denise Adair. Oh, 
no who else in outreach was down there. Wow. Yeah. Who Small also just world. got back from sabbatical. And the first thing she said to me was, you were there when I was there. <laughs> I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That is wild. Yeah. Um, all right. So we were down there. Barry, have you guys... Have you, you and Olivia came from a different country, right? What yeah. Were you? We had a quick little stopover in Guatemala. Just where a little <laughs> we, jaunt. Our, our dear friend, Lauren Pupchik, who has been a missionary down in Guatemala for, I don't know, about 14 years at, at this point. Uh, she met and fell in love with a man named Alejandro and the two of them tied the knot this past, well, weekend, whenever two weekends ago, whatever. And we went down to go be a part of the wedding because we're awesome. such good friends with Lauren. And it was delightful you went and to two wonderful. Weddings. Well, it was a, there was like a civil <laughs> ceremony yeah. and then there's the official. Yeah. Yeah. The, the civil ceremony was in a small kind of little, uh, small little building with a tin roof. And yeah. then the other ceremony was at like in the ruins of a 500 year old monastery. Mm. Wow. With, it was pretty gorgeous. So yeah, both, were quite adventurous. At one point, there was a huge explosion behind us, and we thought it was an actual explosion. Turns out it was just an avocado landing on the tin roof. Oh, what? Very loud. Huge, <laughs> huge yeah. oh explosion. God. Yeah. But then at the end, that at the other ceremony, there were two parrots wrestling in the background. So it was <laughs> rough very and rough and tumble. So they'd be like preaching, sharing, you know, something, something, marriages, then you hear. Rah! <laughs> That's way more exotic than the animal fights I've seen. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. I saw a rat fight one time, just walking down the street during a wedding, right no. in front of my husband and I's apartment in Chicago. And the rats in Chicago—they're not shy around people, and they were just, just brawling That's in gross. the street. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that, but also they were parrots. So I wish was... I could see that. That'd be a much more exotic. And uh, yeah. so I don't know, Barry, if you're going to talk about this or not, but I take full credit for what I'm about to say. Barry is into a new hobby. Oh my. It's true. And uh, Barry, can you uh, share with us what you've been doing and what's been going on? You what, can't, what take, are you, what you are can't take full credit for this because I've been wanting. I am taking 100% credit <laughs> for this. So for the last, like, ever since, yeah, Tyler's been getting into games. Jeff, my brother-in-law, has been getting into, into games. And so I'm trying to get into games and I'm not like. I'm not very good at them, and I, f I feel like I frustrate no, you guys. No, you are no, very good at them. You are clearly very good at them. Well, I love winning. Anyway, <laughs> so as we were driving back this, whatever, 18-hour drive on the way back, I had this thought, and I was like, I wonder if we did a game like this, and I told Tyler, and you're like, I was like, is that someone done that before? And he's like, no, actually, I don't think anyone has done that before. So I spent like the entire rest of the trip thinking <laughs> up how to make this game, and now I've sat down, and I've already begun crafting things on Photoshop to get like the... We're going to have a game. I'm making a game. Yeah, so we were driving back. It's like a 15-hour drive, and probably for every hour you were not driving, <laughs> you were making notes about what your game was going to be. I did. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. So anyway, I'm now a game maker. All right. Okay, there's a guy at the church. I know. I know. He's made the, the Six Broken Places game. That guy? No, no. no his no. name is... Well, I don't know whether I should out him here, but he's like... He is so into he. That's what he does. Yeah. I mean, he has a job, but his whole life otherwise is games, and he's got hundreds of them. And when what is that Gen Com? Gen, Gen Com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He his wife. Got my tickets yesterday. His wife, <laughs> his wife, and two children, soon to be three children, and he sends them out of town so that he can go and just because he's going all, yeah, all he's, and that's all he. Yeah. That's you, awesome. You, okay, I'll, well, I'll get you together. No, with Tyler's you. the my guy hero. that needs to meet him. Yeah. I'm I'm a total amateur who doesn't know much about how to do games but, but you're fully in now oh yeah fully i'm in. enjoying the process it's yeah. fun 
Marin, what did you do last week? What did we miss? <laughs> uh, I, I played a game. My you husband did? said I played more. I spent more time playing this game than I did sleeping. What's it called? Wordscapes. It's like a giant crossword puzzle, and you just keep coming up with words. That wasn't a downer at all. No, it's it's the <laughs> fastest way to waste your time Marin is when you're all alone. She's a gamer right. now. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> I am a gamer as long as it does not involve others, and I can play it by myself. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I can play that game all day. Oh, man. Tim, anything new in your life? What's going on? Right now, I've got a granddaughter staying with us for a while. Oh, a couple of weeks. Cool. Yeah, it is cool. She's How old seven, is she? Seven. Wow. She's delightful. She's delightful. And uh, great. Yeah. Just just to come spend time with grandma and grandpa or Yes. And cool. uh, well, she's here a week and then her mom, who is my daughter, and her twin four year old sisters are coming in at the end of the week and I think all will change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, no, I imagine no. that you're the cool grandpa. Is that well, true? Yeah. Well, I was told by Gracie, who's with us, that every morning the twins wake up and for some reason yell out. This is not what they call me. They call the other, they call the other set of grandparents, mm-hmm. Granny and Papa, and they wake up and scream at the top of their lungs. Granny and Papa are old. What? Whoa! I Shots not, fired. I know. They, she said, and they raise their arms, little arms up, and point their fingers. They declare and it, it. It's like a John Travolta <laughs> moment. The first words out of their mouths. And I'm like, why do they say that? And she says. Because they're old. Yeah, man. <laughs> and so I'm, I said, well, they say that about us? And she said, I don't think so. I don't think so. so hey, just, we're it. just hanging on to that one. So she's seven. How old are the other kids that are coming? Four. Okay. And so this is our first vacation last week away from Milo, who's almost two. He's like 20 months or something. You guys were worried he was going to forget who you were, right? Oh. Well, yeah. And he kind of... He kind of did. Like we were trying to FaceTime him and he'd be like, we'd be like, Hey Milo, we miss you. And he'd just kind of like stare at the thing and he'd say, cars, (laughs) (laughs) like whatever I was doing before you showed up on this screen involved watching cars. So get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. That was my kids when I went to Ukraine. They just don't miss us as much as we miss them. So at what age do parents get? Cause we were, I mean, I was like three and a half days deep and I was like, Oh man, I really... Really miss him. Uh, at what age are the parents cool with just like passing them off to grandparents and the kids are cool not being around their parents? Because there was like a little like tension last mm-hmm. week with us, at least. Uh, I don't know. I, I, think it's, I think that depends on the parent. I don't think it's yeah. an age. Yeah, I don't know. It's not an age yeah. thing? No, I don't think so at all. Because I no. feel like once he gets to seven, I'll be like, yeah, get go. Go to Tim's house or Papa's. Yeah, well, there, yeah there's... That's each each kid is different. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what to tell you about that. I mean, I, <laughs> okay. When, yeah, when well, my, okay. I have I have very little memory of the kids when that when he had all three were little mm-hmm. and all with us. I mean, I know I raised. I was there. Yeah, I was there a lot, but I just it. I just don't have a lot of because it was a lot of like making lunch yeah. and a lot of <laughs> yeah yeah you know putting to bed. A lot of reading yeah. books and stuff. And then you wake it's up and they're off to high school and you're like, wow. Yeah, man. I trust both of my kids' sets of grandparents, my parents, Jed's parents. Mm-hmm. I trust them completely. Yeah, it's not But anything trust. can happen anywhere. So like Jed and I went away for our anniversary once and my son was horsing around um, 
in the in the hallway or something playing, and his head hit the corner of a wall. Jane, busted we gotta, his we head open. Fix this kid, man. So she, my mother in law, she had to call me and say, "Okay, he's okay. Don't <clears throat> don't freak out." But we're taking him to the ER because this is what yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. We were in New Buffalo, Michigan, and I, we we couldn't stay. I'm like, we gotta go. So you we went, went, home. went home so that I can hold him still while yeah. they put staples How old in his was head. He? he was mm, maybe six. Okay. I just remember, like, he had his whole head bandaged. It was the super cutest thing I've ever seen. And he looked up from his little hospital bed and said, you came. Oh. Like, I'll never forget that. Yeah. Does he remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. He okay. still's got a little Smash cut to him being 15, breaking his ankle, and you taking pictures oh, of him holding man. Barbies in a doctor's Things office. Things are so it's not the same. Get out of your mom. <laughs> How's he doing, by the way? Limping along. Is That's he, how he's doing. Just... He got a lot of mentions at the uh, live event. Yeah. Can you, should share, can you share what he said to you afterwards when he had that realization? What? When he was like, he was like, yeah, you guys talked about me a lot. Wait, do you always talk about Yes. <laughs> yes. He had a girlfriend, like, you know, kind of come and go. And he's like, did you talk about her? I'm like, no, no, we no. didn't mention anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, does my mom talk about me all the time? Like, no, we're, we're good, dude. Did she say I have a girlfriend? <laughs> no, we, we're not going to talk. Okay. We're not going to out you. Well, except we just did. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Jaden. That's not what I. <laughs> he's, he's a freshman. He is. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's, my mind is reeling about when I was a freshman. I'm not yeah. going to talk about did, oh. did your parents have a podcast about you? <laughs> no. I, uh, this honest truth. My parents were paying no attention to me at all. Oh, I was like, man. Yeah. Like none. They, they were none. Man. It's so a, It's okay. But So when your grandkids are in town, what are some things you guys like to do with one another? Well, what they really like to do, you know, we live on a, in two acres of woods on a big hill with a creek at the bottom and. They love just going back there and searching for stuff, walking the creek. And cool. I love, and if the weather's, the weather's good enough and the, the boys, when the boys are here, they don't care about the weather. Yeah. But I spent a long time with Gracie yesterday, just down at the creek. That's cool. You're, yeah, it is cool. And uh, let's see, oh, we went to the bike shop yesterday and graders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's what grandpas do. Yeah. Awesome. That was the thing. We got home and Milo... My, when when I'm home, it's like strict seven o'clock. You got to go to bed. Uh, last week he was going to bed at all hours. Grandpa, grandma, sisters, brothers—they just like love mm-hmm. having him up. And so we're kind of like getting back into the. You got to get back on a routine here because yeah. you're you're staying up too late. We need you to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So what I want to do today is we missed two weekends of sermons. So I want to dig into the past two weekends because this this sermon series, it has been pretty great. And I it, it, it's relating to Dave's book that just came out, A Why to Live For. And um, we've gone through, let's see, the, is this the third weekend that we will have gone through or the second one? Third, this was the this was third. The third. third. This the was the third. one was, was an introduction. General overall. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we've got, Four different broken places. The way that we're doing this sermon series is that each weekend we highlight two areas of brokenness and then identify the people who are entering into those areas and bringing healing to those. So we're doing two per weekend. So this show, we're going to talk about four different places. And Tim, two weeks ago, you spoke about uh, champions and healers. Champions are those who fight to heal injustice and healers are those who fight to heal 
pain. Right. Uh, if you can remember way back then, is there anything that you wanted to make sure people took away from your sermon? Well, I think primarily it was just how the important those particular two groups of people. We, I mean, those are a rubric that come from the Dave's book, the healers and the champions, but how important that is in the, in this text of the Bible, because that was primarily what I was shooting for was a found a theological foundation that we're yeah. not, we're not just making up things that in order to um, bring change in the world that we, we are thinking is important. I think it's that we think it's important because it's already so profoundly present in the scripture. And I, I'm sure that, I mean, I, I know that my approach was way, way different than most people would have done it, but I, I just, it, it speaks somewhat to my own personality yeah. and to, and so I, I felt, you know, I, the part of it is, was that I really wanted people to be engaged with the message of not just the book, but the message of Grace Church and what we're about. But I also had to do it in a way that I was still Tim Ayers, the teaching pastor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, I thought that was as important. Is as that anything. why you took us back to Athanasius? Yes. You started the story with Athanasius. Right. Well, I started it with this Nicene Council. Yes. That I started it with. Yes. And why, why did you take us through that story? So to recap, it's kind of the story. Is it the story of how the Bible was ordered or the order well, of the Bible yeah, was determined? No, it's that they, at the Nicene Council decided how they would determine Easter. And then they, and then the, the bishop of e, of e, Alexandria was given the responsibility of telling everybody when that was, and in one of the one of the uh, encyclicals or whatever I can't remember festal yeah. letters, uh, the first time that the twenty seven books of the New Testament were listed, they're not in the exact order, but it was the first time that it was these twenty seven books. And that became the standard. And I just said that they were ordered in with a, I, all I said was that they had an order that had a logic to them, but it didn't have anything to do with chronology. And the, and the point of saying that was that I wanted to talk about James being the first book written. And as I, mean, I got a lot of information about that, about why, why we believe it was the first book written and what was actually going on in the world and where it fits in, in the history line of the book of Acts and all that stuff. But the point is that here's the first thing that comes out of what we would call inspiration that ends up in the text. And it's like half of it is about standing against the injustices of the day. Yeah. And I'd say that's a fairly strong statement. Yeah. I'd say, and, and you can't, if you think about the book of James in the context of its writing and that he's talking about these things as being important that we not look down on people because of their poverty and not treat people differently because of their wealth and not show favoritism and all kinds of stuff that would have been the issues in the synagogue. That And here's the other thing, that it was still at a time when Jews who didn't follow Jesus were worshiping alongside of Jews who were following Jesus. That's very clear that that's still happening when he writes the letter. And so the way that he can, he tells Christians, people following Jesus, if you're in the synagogue worshiping, your actions in this area of injustice towards people is 
the strongest statement that you can have to people who don't believe in Jesus yet that you have a faith in Jesus. And so I, it's like I didn't have time to, I mean, I had like 12 minutes, so I didn't have time to right. ferret all that stuff out. But it was, it's really powerful to me that that was heavily on the mind of Jesus's brother yeah. when he wrote that letter. And I knew, I knew that James was Jesus's brother. You started saying that early on, he kind of thought Jesus was out of his mind. Well, yeah, we have one. Well, I said that it seems to say, because there's a point where Mary and the brothers of Jesus come to get him because they think he's out of it. He's lost his mind. Yeah. And he, and he has a response to that, but, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, they were probably older brothers, sons of Joseph, not necessarily Mary's children. Now, I don't know that for sure. We don't know about James, but we're pretty sure that Joseph was married, had children, that his wife had died, and that his taking Mary on as a second wife is partly because he needs somebody to help raise these children because he's lost his wife. I think that's why he responds the way that he does to her through the whole story of him going to Bethlehem with her and yeah. those sorts of things. So we don't know whether James was a full brother or a half brother. We don't know, but yeah. he was in the same house with him. Mm-hmm. So. And a primary message of James, the book, I think you touched on it is that faith without deeds is dead. Right. And that speaks right to injustice. Can right. you talk a little bit about all of it? Can we all talk about a little bit about how that has to do with injustice? Healing injustice. I think the the scripture. I don't remember word for word, but I think it ended with, "How can that kind of faith save, save anyone?" Anybody. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, as I'm listening to this, because I would call myself, out of all the broken places, I talk, we talked about this at the live show. I think personally, I am a champion for justice, whether it's. Big, big stuff that's happening in the world or like what's happening, like with my friend who's in my opinion, being treated unjustly. But as I'm listening to your sermon and I'm reading along with you, I'm like how, who gets to define justice? Who, how do we define what is unjust? Who get, who's determining that? What do you guys think? Well, I think at the, all of the apostles and Jesus himself were pulling on the Old Testament, which talked a lot about justice. It's something that I never realized growing up early on in my, in my faith. It was always, you know, believe in Jesus so you can die and go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Never, never opening, cracking up the, you know, the prophets to see how much they talked about caring for widows and mm-hmm. orphans in their distress. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it again and again, especially even in the Old Testament law, you see all these references to caring for foreigners, caring for the helpless, caring for mm-hmm. those who have no voice and, it's not necessarily that there's some list that says these are justice issues and these yeah. aren't. But for my, my take would be that you see a general picture painted of caring for those who cannot care for themselves mm-hmm. is a, is a matter of justice. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, that aligns you with God's heart for the world. I feel like we point that out all the time in our yeah. sermons here at this church, when we can tell the story of uh, what is it? Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. And we can tell the story about, you know, fidelity and faithfulness and friendship and, and all that. But we also point out that there's a message of justice in that story. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, letting 
letting the, the, the women harvest the things that fell, you know, that there was provision for those who couldn't provide for themselves. There was provision written in to their laws. And that's something that is so easy to lose if we don't go back and read those old Testament stories and study the meaning behind them, mm-hmm. why those laws were in place. It can just seem like crazy laws, right. you know, until yeah. you realize, no, no, that was to care for and to love. Yeah. Right. There's always an aspect of Old Testament justice that speaks to standing up for people who through no fault of their own mm-hmm. find themselves in a particular circumstance of less than or undignified in some sense like that. We have in our culture have turned that because almost anybody who's in a position that things aren't going so well for them, we just assume almost immediately that there have been decisions that they've made. Mm -hmm. There's a sort of an age level where we stop, you know, children up to a certain age, we give them a break on that. That's gotta be somebody else's fault. But then after a certain age, we just assume they've all made a decision that they can control Mm that they've decided not to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. And we just ignore the fact that it, a lot, a lot of it is it's the, the systems just work against them. Mm-hmm. I think we need to recognize that every human being was created to live at a certain level of, of dignity in the world. God's mm. intentions were for us to all work, to lift one another to the same levels and, and to be just given dignity yeah and that's i think that's why even when you get to the new testament the way that people show dignity to one another is going to is a prime way to tell whether or not their faith is real Mm. see here's the thing our faith says that we believe that jesus died for everybody that his his death and resurrection is salvation for everybody and and I don't see how we can see anybody, if everybody falls under that, how does anybody fall outside of being of equal dignity to right. God? And and yet we do it yeah. all the time. Absolutely. It's, it's like baked into our, I mean, I spent years traveling around the world looking at this, but it's baked into sort of human culture uh, where the chaos of the evil one draws us to make decisions for our own betterment and not for the betterment of our community. And as a result, these waves of injustice start to, to permeate outward. And, and it's just, it creates these systems. Like you said, with, through no fault of their own, people are born into situations where they do not have the same resources or the same, uh, access to education or even the ability to pull themselves up. They'd love to, they, they're hard workers. They don't have the ability to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. And so suddenly it's not just about, you know, followers of Christ, uh, going and, and fixing problems. It's about us living in a way that helps other people discover the dignity and the, and the value that they have in God's eyes, which requires a little bit of sacrifice, self-sacrifice on our part. Hmm. And so, yeah, I don't know. I'm that's just, why, that's why I asked the question because a lot of people in the circles I run in or have grown up being surrounded by are like, if you take something from me, is justice another word for fairness? Because if you take something from me to give it to somebody who may be less fortunate, how is that fair? Because right. I've worked for this or whatever. And so are we using justice as another word 
for fairness or does it mean something else? I don't think it, I don't think fairness is the issue. I think dignity is the issue. Yeah. And I mean, that's a huge conversation, but I don't think fairness, we tend to throw a lot of things into a justice bucket when it comes to fairness. Right. But that's the, the real injustices in the world begin with people being considered less than to start with. Right. And so, well, think about this, our care center. One of the things that we've been doing over the last few years is giving micro loans to people to help them buy a car, to help them uh, accomplish a specific goal or something like that. And the common mentality is if you're, like you said, Tim, if you're, if you're poor, let's say, it's because you've made bad decisions or you can't be trusted with money or so that's, that's the way that we tend to think. And so it would, it would go totally against that to say, okay, so I will loan you some money at no interest for no benefit to myself. I'm going to loan you money. That would seem ridiculous with the common understanding of poverty as something that you choose. What have we seen? Not a single person has missed has defaulted on their, on their loans. These, these folks have taken the money and it is, it has given them dignity mm. and the ability to solve the problems that are in front of them. And it's just a, it, it takes a different mindset to realize that it's about giving someone dignity to yeah. freedom, not just I think about, that's important. Yeah. And, and we have to move beyond some of these stereotypes that we have in our minds of, of the ways that people are and the reason why they're in those places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, who are there any examples of people in your mind that you know personally, or maybe you are a champion of justice, but that ha- are examples of champions of justice? I know that we're kind of featuring somebody mm-hmm. each week or each for each broken place in a video during sermons, but are there people in your own lives that come to mind when you think of champions of justice? I think we're, I'm at an interesting stage in my parenthood having two teenagers, and um, I can see my kids in a a specific broken place. I couldn't wait for Jaden to hear the one about creation this weekend. That's my son all day long. Desi, I think would find herself in this broken place really to be a champion of, you know, or against injustice. Yeah. Uh, A couple years ago, she got like student of the month or something for standing up to a bully on behalf of her friend. Her friend didn't feel she had the power to speak for herself. Wow. Desi spoke for her and got, recognized, you know, over the intercom, our student of the month. It's just always who Desi has been. However, she's, she's in training. She's being developed. So just within the week, um, a lot of her worldview is informed by news sources that she goes to on YouTube, whatever. And she's listening to very one-sided arguments about social issues and she's forming an opinion, but and it's myopic in my opinion. It's, it's based on, um, what she's taking in. And so my phrase with her all this week and probably for the rest of the year is going to be, does he hold it to the light? Mm. Tell me, say what you said, let's say it again. And now let's, let's hold it to the light. Let's see if we can see through it. Let's see if there's more, you know, don't take something at face value. Keep digging, come up with your own, you Mm. know, uh, interpretations of what is right and what is, well, hold it up to the light. We raised you, (laughs) you know, you know, the word, if you don't come ask me, you know, when, when you ask who defines justice, God is justice. Yeah. But 
lots of horrible things have been done in the name of God. So it's a little too easy to say like, well, he's justice and God wants yeah. me to do this awful thing because he said so. You know, yeah. we have to know the word. We have to, you know, like you said, the world behind, the world in front, the world of, we have to not just read it at a face value even. We've really got to do our due diligence to study scripture because that's where we find justice, mm-hmm. the importance of dignity. I, I want her to be able to hold things to light. Hmm. Tyler, when you ask that question, I, I think of a lot of people, uh, obviously having spent years being with different ministries in countries, these ministries focused entirely on healing injustices of, of every different kind. I have all these different faces that pop into my mind. Everybody from uh, some of the, some of the staff at mission to Ukraine who mm-hmm. have just dedicated their lives to yeah. bringing dignity to children with disabilities and, you know, and, uh, I've got people from Kenya and India and, and Cambodia in my mind, all, you know, all of that. But I also think closer to home, I look around and I, I look at my wife who Olivia is, is she will get so fired up and passionate when she sees someone who is not being given dignity or someone yeah. who is being, um, cast aside. She, that's the thing that will fire her up more than anything else. And so I look at her, I look at people uh, like that and I think, yeah, she is a, maybe that's not the only thing that she would, she would probably also say decay or caring for creation is a big, but those two together. Yeah. It kind of works hand in hand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in her, in her case it does. So I don't know. I've got, what about you? Um, yeah, I was going to use the mission to Ukraine example too. Sorry, I stole your thunder. Yeah, no. Hey, we've all been there. Usually I ask questions not expecting you guys to ask me back in return, so I didn't really have an answer prepared for this, but... I've prepared one for you, Tyler. Yeah. Um, No, I think I watch people... There are people that are apart, and Dave brought them them up uh, this past weekend in regard to hatred. There are a lot of people that are on a group that was started by people at Grace Church called The Listening Table that focuses on racism and how to heal that broken place of hatred. But there's a lot of people in that group that care a lot about injustice as well. And so when I when I think of, for me, the, the broken place of hatred and justice work hand in mm-hmm. hand, like right. decay and injustice do yeah. for Olivia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I would think of those those folks. You know, it's, I've never thought about this till just now, but it's almost as if we always say separation is the mother of all the other broken places. And it's like the one that's at the top and all of them come out of it. It's almost like separation leads to injustice and out of injustice, all the other ones flow. It's almost Mm. like you could look Mm. at each one of them and say that there's a a tinge of injustice to every other broken place. For sure. And Amy made a good point as she wrapped up the sermon at one of the services this weekend. She said, you might not find your destiny in one of the broken places, you know, if you're sitting there listening to decay and you don't find yourself, you don't find your destiny in that broken place. That's okay. You might not find your destiny in this one, but as followers of Christ, we are mandated to care about all Ooh, of them. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. It's yeah. very important that you don't just kind of shut your brain off when you think it's not for you. We do have to care. I think I, t- I told this, I might've told this story on the pod once, but I have a friend or friends, a family, their fam, a whole family, but they live in Chicago and they have a son who has cerebral palsy and he's in a wheelchair. And as he was growing up, they went to a very colonial style church. The building was very colonial style and it had the stairways that go up with the big pillars in the front. And as he got older, they could not, he couldn't get in the building without 
them having to take him out of the wheelchair and carry him up the stairs because they had no way mm -hmm. to wheel him into the building. And I mean, he's a teenager. He was a high school kid and his mind is amazing. It's just his body doesn't work. And the church, when they asked if they'd build a ramp, the church said, under no circumstances are we building a ramp and ruining our architectural architectural style of the mm -hmm. building. And I was so angry about yeah. that. I mean, and just about the same time was when, when that went down in Chicago, that's when Molly Moore showed up on the scene mm -hmm. here and was like, we need to start. And I didn't call it lift back then. I don't know what they, I forget what they called it at the beginning, but Molly was like, we need to do that. You need to do this. We, yeah. yeah. And she was so adamant about it. That, and I was already juiced. There was no way I wasn't going <laughs> to. Yeah. You know? What would you say for yourself, Tim? We're going through all of the broken places for yourself. What, what broken place or what, what word do you identify with as, as a healer of which broken place? Well, I think, um, I think separation is the space where I, most live because mm. I think that my greatest gifting and I gotta be careful about this, but I saying it publicly, but I think my ability to listen and to answer in ways with people who are separated, who mm. don't really know what it is when we talk about the truth. Mm. I think my ability to, to speak to them in ways that move them closer to being able to consider and then to follow Jesus. I think to follow Jesus. I think that's where my greatest gifts are. But I mean, I have a heart for all of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's almost impossible to follow Jesus and not feel the pain of all of the brokenness. Mm -hmm. mm. You know, when we first came up with the six broken places, there was a guy on staff who was just adamant that there were seven and maybe eight <laughs> and all this. And it's just like, it, you know, that, that's not the point. Yeah. yeah. The point is we've got to find, we needed some sort of rubric in what, in which to talk about that, which God is doing in the world and wanting to do through us, the healing that he wants to bring through us. And I can't imagine, I can't imagine that someone who's walking with Jesus in any way couldn't have a little bit of all of that rub off on him. Cause it, they're, yeah. They're, right. Yeah. Right. It really, all of them are a part of what it means to follow Jesus. I think our language, the reason why we're talking about it in the context of a why to live for and destiny and all that is that often people are lost, not sure even what to do. And right. this gives them language to, oh, but what I am <laughs> exactly. And this gives them at least a, a, a tool to be able to start discerning perhaps what, what makes their heart beat faster. Right. And I'm a hundred percent. I think it's, it's, yeah, I th I, it's not unique, I suppose, but I think our approach is somewhat unique for churches. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, I'm thankful that we were given the gift of understanding it, so we could take it to our people. Right. Amen. There, I think there's something. This might be getting a little off topic, but broadly speaking, about these broken places, there, there's. I think you know that you have found, at least the, the next step when you look at something and you think, "Wait, you mean I could actually do that?" Like I'm actually allowed to spend my time doing that, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. yeah. like, I don't, I don't, I hope Liv's okay with me bringing her up multiple times, but, uh, <laughs> but like one of the things as we've talked about is her, our dream together of potentially someday having like something like a little, uh, farm sanctuary where we could have animals and people could come and yeah. you know, meet the animals and, and hang out and all the animals just live a great life. And maybe even Liv could even use it as a, as a, a tool, as a part of counseling younger, younger women, like. When, when we were talking about that recently, she was just like, 
it just sounds too good to be true mm. to do that, to live that life. And that, yeah. but to like, hear her energy like work, right? Like, yeah. but you know, some people would be like, I would never have a farm sanctuary. Like, don't ever make me take care of animals. Why are you looking at me, Barry? I'm just looking around <laughs> completely neutrally. Yeah. But yeah, but, and but for her, for Liv, she's like, I, like I would, I could do that. That's yeah. actually how I could live my life. And do it could, in Jesus name. Right. Exactly. That's what makes it so transformative and just like mind boggling that, yeah. wait a minute, you know, lots of people fight injustice, but they're not doing it in right. the name of Jesus. That's, right. that's our edge. That's our power. The Holy yeah. Spirit empowering us, endowing us. Um, just like we sang this weekend, giving us the breath in our lungs giving us being, giving us a purpose, and we can go heal those places in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Amen. All right, the second one you talked about, Tim, was the broken place of pain and people who enter into those spaces, we, we're calling them healers, uh, which makes sense. But you you talked about ancient times and if, if somebody is sick or something's happening to you, basically everybody judges you as like, you must have done something wrong. Somebody, right? somebody <laughs> did something wrong, yeah. And so knowing that like medicine really wasn't a thing. Well, it was a thing. Medicine was a thing. It was a thing in the Greco-Roman culture, but the Jews were the, the big up until the fall, the, when everything fell apart in 70 AD, the Jews were separate in those things, in that thinking. But oh, once okay. the, once the Jerusalem was destroyed and the system was destroyed, the, the Jews started to buy in a little more to Greco-Roman mm-hmm. medicine just simply because they were out in a different space. But they, up until that time, the vast majority of Jewish thinking, particularly in Judea, was anything that you might do, or you anything that you might have physical was connected to some sin. Yeah. You said, yeah, and you said that People believed that you could sin in the womb. Yeah, they did. Here's the That's thing. insane. Well, but well, I mean, looking they, back to that, you know. They felt that, and it's in the text when John the Baptist is in the womb and Jesus's mother walks in the room and he leaps for joy and everybody, yeah. we all believe it. Yeah. And so he's like, he's somehow consciously aware of yeah. the presence of, and they thought that they, that the infant was so close that they could interact with with the outside uh, stimulus and yeah. they could also rebel. They could choose to rebel against that, which they were hearing or whatever. I don't know, but here's yeah. the thing. Just you sneaking, would have, out, sneaking out late at night and stuff. You have to come up with something. If you know the family and you know the parents and you know, they haven't been doing anything terrible and then the baby is born with some problem, then something's got to give somewhere. Yeah. And so you got to think up something. And so after much discussion, they, figured that they could sin in the womb. I can't imagine how like guilt ridden and shame ridden that must have been. Yeah. Well, that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And isolating too. That's yeah. I'm actually this weekend I'm preaching. I'm going to bring back, I've, I've preached about it before, but the story of the, the woman with bleeding, the bleeding woman that Jesus touches or she touches his, his robe. And anyway, I'm going to preach about that this weekend, but that was a disability, so to speak Mm -hmm. in her world that kept her out of community. And so these are, yeah, this is an extremely shameful, isolating thing to be, to have a disability or to have an illness or yeah. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Unclean. The the only thing about all of that with Jesus, and I think that this is in the, in the vein of what I think I need to write a book about, but when Jesus heals somebody, 
he does do a physical healing and he does bring them back into community because he takes away the that which um has separated them the the physicals the physical aspects that separate them but they also believed when you were healed you were then forgiven by god of that sin which you had committed we don't see very often Jesus saying, and there wasn't any sin connected right. to this. He just heals them and everybody goes, oh, they're forgiven. So the the end result is that whatever people thought they might have done, they are still thinking they probably did it, but at least they've lived a life now where God has forgiven them. Right. I, I wish it had been, I just wish he'd been a little stronger on that yeah. one, you know, because yeah. um, that would help us a little right. bit. But, but I've got to be honest, some people came to me afterwards and said, I still have people telling me that the reason that this is happening in my life is because of sin or, yeah. or did, what if, what is going on that God needs to get your attention by giving you cancer? Yeah, I was. That was going to be my next question: Is do we think that's still going on today? I think it's going on. Well, yeah. it's going on in a lot of circles. I know that it was a part of the world in which I lived when yeah. I was younger. That people went there, and people still go there. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think it's that much of a part of our community, but I th- I know that it's out there. Yeah, yeah. If only Jesus had said. You are healed. And also it's called malaria and you got to use nets and just wash your hands, people. Well, Maybe. That's yeah. why I always wonder about that. Why yeah. didn't he just say, hey, take my word for it. Germs exist. You can't see them. They exist. Wash your hands. Okay? And boil your water before yeah, you drink why, it. Yeah. I wish he just said something like that. <laughs> when didn't. Jesus heals the paralyzed man, he says, your sins are forgiven. Yeah. Is he doing that because of who's in the room? Because yes. he knows their mindset? Yes. He's saying your sins are forgiven and they go, how can he forgive sins? And he goes, he, we always think that he's thinking about just the difference between whether you can make somebody walk who's crippled or whether you can say you don't have sins like that. It's just easier to say that, but he's actually talking about the, the difficulty it is to be able to forgive sins. And that's something that God alone can do. And yeah. And there's another place where somebody says, was this man born blind because of his, his sin or his parents sin? Yeah. Right. And he goes, well, no, it wasn't anybody's sin. That's the only place where he gets close to that kind of statement. And then that one with the, the where they drop the mm-hmm, paralyzed mm-hmm. man. Yeah, when he forgives his sin, that's getting the cart before the horse. Mm-hmm. And doesn't he say to them, like, which is easier to say? Your yeah. sins are forgiven or take your bed and walk? Right. Yeah. But if he'd have said, take your bed and walk, everybody would have gone, well, his sins must have been forgiven. They probably would have said he's a healer, but not. He's God because only God, God could heal, could, could forgive sin. God has allowed this guy to be healed because God has forgiven his sin. Mm. And then it's, Jesus saying, I forgive his sin. Yeah. He's proclaiming his deity. Yeah. And right. doing that. Mm. I had a question about healing. Like as I was listening to that latter half of your sermon is healing. Like, what does it look like for lay people? Yeah. That was one of my questions too. Like, I'll leave that up to the medical professionals, but I don't know how I fit in here. Yeah, what is it? What is healing the broken place of pain look like for ordinary people? And I, I listened to your sermon twice. I was at the Fisher's campus and I sat out in the congregation both times. Um, I thought of three examples. I thought of, um, again, my daughter, when a friend of hers, their parents had split up and dad had got himself an apartment and moved out of the house and um, her dear friend just had a broken heart and that was pain. Mm-hmm. Um, Desi bought her a, a jar of Nutella and, mm-hmm. and, you know, just a little 
hey, I love you and I'm thinking about you. Um, think <laughs> about a friend. Uh, he actually, this guy was in, in our wedding. Um, he is into archery and there's this uh, other friend of my daughter's, all these you know, friends from Chicago, who was also into archery, but she was born with one arm. So how could she, you know, even do the sport of archery with only one arm? So he made a, some sort of like device that allows her to be able to not just do the sport, but she's awesome at it mm-hmm. with this in this invention, really, that he came up with for her. Um, and then I think of my dad um, growing up with my dad constantly on the phone with people in all sorts of emotional pain or uh, the pain um, from from addictions um, reminded me a little bit of Victoria Wilburn's story was shared that day um, for healing was was hers for pain I don't remember but yes yeah anyway and she was dealing with addiction issues and things like that I thought of my dad's ordinary he's not a doctor but he's given countless hours of his life to uh, just helping to guide people who find themselves in places of pain. So I yeah. don't know. Does anybody else like what else? What can a normal person yeah. do? Mm-hmm. What can I do? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think there's, there are two aspects to this. One of them is the reduction of suffering. Mm. I think <laughs> some people have a gift and a calling and a desire to bring a reduction in others suffering in the world, whether that's physical, mental, emotional, whatever. Um, I also think there, there is a supernatural and a spiritual component. Yes. Doctors and, and God equips some people, I believe to be healers, Mm -hmm. like to actually be gifted in that way. Mm -hmm. But I also know that the Holy spirit endows people with the gift to bring healing in the name of Jesus. And some people for some reason have a specific gift in which that manifests more than in others. Mm -hmm. I wish I had it. You don't think you do? I don't think I do, but I really do. I really wish I did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm reading a really interesting book right now about um, medicine and the practice of medicine in the first five centuries of the Christian church. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that we have the record of the, of what happens in the book of Acts and then, and then the, the mentions of miraculous healings disappear completely. Mm until about the fifth century, the end of the fourth century or the fifth century where they begin to show up again. But that space in the middle is where Christians moved into the plague spaces and began to function within the, the medical world, mm. not so much as doctors, but as people who were brave and went into places of people with, with diseases and things to care for them. Mm. And so it's just an interesting juxtaposition mm. where you have this rush uh, at the front end of miraculous healings and then now I don't know that they weren't there but there's literally no record no of anything mm. yeah, in any of the Christian teachings until you get past a period of time where the church realizes it has a calling to the lay people to move into the places mm. of pain Wow! and once that's happened then we begin to see other kinds of miraculous healings and people moving in as professionals into a medical world it's a really interesting concept hmm. and i'd like to keep think i'm yeah. gonna think more more about, about it because this is more of a history book than it is it's not saying anything devotionally yeah. yeah but um i think that lay people have lots to say about this yeah um there are people i mean i know some i know doctors that are their whole heart is in the fact that they are people who bring healing 
-hmm. and it's their profession. I used the term, I said, whether it's your occupation or your, I think I said your obsession, your voluntary obsession. Mm -hmm. And I think those are the, those are two great, for me, they were great um, Mm. ends of the spectrum. Mm. Yeah. I don't think there's any question that the church, that people who follow Jesus are supposed to be involved in that at all, in all spaces all Mm -hmm. the time. So let's jump to the weekend that we just finished. Dave gave a message about stewards and activists healing the broken place of decay and hatred. Okay. So Dave's not here, obviously, but let's just talk about, let's first talk about stewards and the broken place of decay. Um, Dave said stewards, uh, they have, he went through like a rubric of they feel, believe, and what do they do? And, and so he says, feelings, um, of stewards, every walk means a lot to a steward. They're passionate about this and can be insufferable. Mm-hmm. Not the walk, but the decay <laughs> part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he says they believe that God owns it all. Physical creation points to God, but it's not God. My question when he said that is why, why was that distinction important? There was a period of time. Well, I, there's still people who mm-hmm. are pantheists who believe that, God is either God is or gods are throughout all of creation and that therefore you can actually like worship creation itself. Mm -hmm. But the Bible makes that one pretty clear. We're not to do that one. (laughs) We're not to be worshiping creation. So I think, I think that's just to distinguish. Yeah. There it's, it's fascinating to me. There, there's some really interesting theology around the idea of God's spirit being present, breathing, bringing life yeah. And, and that life itself is in some ways animated by the spirit, by the spirit. But that is a very different thing than saying that when you look at a tree, you're looking at God. Right. I gotcha. It, okay. You see the difference. So it's, yeah. it's, you, that, you could say it's panentheism. God is within, he is breathing through all the life that we see, but that's different than pantheism, which is yeah, that God right. is everything we see. But the, the big, um, I would say, I don't want to use the word evangelical, but the big Christian pushback against anything like this is always that the people are worshiping the creation. This was when in the environmental movement started to raise up and have some meat in the culture. That was the, the Christian response. And remember, if you believe that the earth is going to be completely destroyed and God is going to create a new earth, that gave people the freedom to do anything with it because it's all on on the chopping block right. soon right. anyway and so it's all gonna burn right and it's all gonna be redone so we don't need to worry about this one right i feel like if decay is your your thing if you are a healer or you are a steward mm-hmm. your patience and like pace of life ha- has to be slower so slow right it is so painfully slow. <laughs> oh no. I meant that as a good thing. You're you're saying that as like a negative. No, I could not wait for my son to hear this message cuz I have known since he was a toddler <laughs> that this is his calling. Yeah. When we lived in the city, I think it first hit me coming home to visit my parents. They lived in the suburbs. We lived in a very concrete everything. Even like the playgrounds had that like spongy like recycled tires. Yeah. Like yeah. there was no grass. Yeah. It was just more <laughs> yeah. synthetic material. So he folded himself in half as a toddler running his fingers through the grass mm. as soon as we get to my parents house mm. just all about that grass yeah like mm. that that was him one time 
uh, we were in the car at night when he was a little older, elementary school, and something must have been crawling up his arm because I heard a slap and then a, oh no, and whatever he killed left this glowing green slime down his arm. He killed himself a firefly Mm. and he burst into tears and said, I killed God's creation. This has always been my son, but like whatever quote, I think was it? Uh, John Muir about, you know, taking a walk and mm-hmm. that's, we, we love to walk. We love to hike like any beautiful day. We want to go to Turkey run. Like that is our family's thing. But Jaden about every one and a half to two feet <laughs> will stop and take a picture of something mm-hmm. yeah. and just get his hands in it and admire it. And it's so painfully slow. We're come on, buddy. Uh-huh. We gotta, we gotta get through this walk. <laughs> Let's go. See, I, I'm jealous of that. Because my wife, I, I don't know if her if she's a steward, but she's definitely somebody that's like every fifteen days is like, oh look at the moon, isn't it beautiful? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's the moon. Let's just keep moving, you know. Like I've seen it a bajillion times. Yeah. But she notices that she notices the sunset when yeah. we were on vacation last week. Like it was mandatory that we were out to <laughs> yeah. watch the sunset. And in my mind, I'm like, it, it's the same every day. Like it's a, the sun setting. <laughs> uh, but I, I admire the quality of like stopping to pay attention, um, going on a walk and having that be meaningful for yeah. me. I'm just like, why, why are we doing this? Oh, We're I just love walking. it. We I love mean, it's good it. for exercise, yeah. but like, I'm not noticing anything beyond it. And so I want, I want to know how I can get to be a better steward. Me too. How can I be a better one? So like Sarah Sterley yeah. gave the story, said something about converting turf grass to food producing. Right. I didn't know you had to do that. Oh, no. Yeah. You just till it under. I don't even know how. <laughs> you got you to gotta <laughs> just till it under. You're Are just, you telling just, me that not all turf is see, the same? Well, they're very big into organic farming. So if you want to grow like sustainable yields of crops on a certain do. type of soil, you have to do some work to the soil. Just but if you don't want to just throw down industrial fertilizer, it takes time to get the soil ready. There's a whole microbiome <laughs> in the soil. Sorry. What were we talking about? I did that. Oh my god! I did that for a living. Yeah, okay, so yeah, yeah. for you like gotta 25 years. I know oh about that. Oh my goodness! Okay. Yeah, I, I, I just yeah. want to really know how I can like be a better that. one because so, I'm not paying attention to anything. Yeah. So uh, this is this is one that is near and dear to my heart. I I find myself in a weird way. I mean, I'm I'm really interested in everything, but I'm really, really interested in science and yeah. I find myself just so fascinated. I read like, what did I get? I, this book, this uh, vacation, I always get a, a science book to read on vacation. And so this, this uh, time I was reading about the development of the mental states of consciousness in cephalopods. Cause I was like, I, I find that kind of stuff. So here we go. You got a sound clip. No, no. <laughs> I'm looking for one. You have anything that nerdy, yeah. uh, but you know, and I like reading about the reading about bacteria, reading about, so I love that kind of stuff. And jo- so I can totally connect with John Muir. He's hilarious. The guy was out of his mind. Uh, at one point, this is in like the 1800s. He like climbed at the top of a, pine tree swaying in the middle of a massive thunderstorm. He climbed up to the top of the tree because he wanted to know what a tree feels in a thunderstorm. And he wanted to know what the tree feels. Yeah. Now he wow. was, he was way more down the pan, the pantheist road, yeah. but he, yeah, he would just have these deep connections with everything and he would go out and <laughs> he was one of the main reasons that, that scientists now understand the 
the history of glaciation in in Yosemite because he walked out and he he asked the rocks to tell them his story or to tell him their story and began looking and learning the different scrape marks that were on them and he began to realize that all of those mountain ranges were filled with glaciers and so scientists were like, let's go talk to the guy who talks to rocks exactly. to figure out what's exactly. going on. But because of him, we have a National Park Service, and yeah. he was one of the main guys that kind of led to the foundation of that with Teddy Roosevelt. Anyway, it's <laughs> dude, dude's awesome. So, but there's so all that to say, I've I've come to in my life. I used to hate being outdoors completely. Yeah. But over time, as I began exploring backpacking and hiking and climbing, now climbing volcanoes and mountains and things, it I've begun to find my own way of con- connecting with God's presence mm-hmm. yeah. in the created world. And it's not through the, oh, it's such a beautiful sunset. That doesn't really do it for me. What does it for me is watching birds like on the beach. Liv and I walked down this walked down the beach at one point on our vacation and we just sat for about 30 minutes watching these two birds having an argument. These two birds were just, and it's just so fascinating to see what they were doing. What they, That is just like stopping and observing. As yeah. Well. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, Someone needs to get those <laughs> birds out of here. They're being too loud. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have a number of Christian friends and their number one reason for not taking what I have to say about Christianity seriously is that Christ- they don't think and believe that Christians take healing mm. decay seriously. Mm. They think uh, that w- Christians do not act like um, creation is important. We're just here kind of temporarily, our treasures in heaven kind of mm. deal. And so let's not really care about our space right now. So I, they bring that up a lot. They say that's well, their reason for. Uh, not a lot, but I know that the conversations that I've had with yeah. them, that is like their biggest gripe toward mm. attitudes of what they perceive as a Christian community. Mm. Mm. Do you guys, have you guys experienced this or no? I definitely know that the the thought is out there. Yeah. You know, but I don't know. I don't know why that would be aimed at Christians in particular. Because Christians are the ones that are like, this is only my temporary home. I'm going to heaven. So let's litter, you know, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. No, it also gets wrapped up with a whole bunch of political stuff when people are labeling things with a faith background and and using that to Uh, do some sort of anti-climate change agenda. It just gets all. It's yeah, it's it's, really a huge soup. And. The very last, it seems that the very last people to hop on the environmental train in any big movement tend to be, you know, yeah. Christian, the Christian church. So that's their frustration. It's, yeah. Mm. And so it's, it's to... my frustration too, especially yeah. because the one who created this earth is the God that we claim to follow. So right. yeah, it, yeah, it should be a bigger deal. That's why I like when we use scriptures like this to, again, even reorient some of us Christians who've grown up with wasteful practices or, you know, mindsets mm. that aren't very, um, kind to our environment. I, I particularly loved the one we used from Hosea that said, um, hear the word of the Lord. O people of Israel, the Lord has brought charges against you, charges against you. We're not doing this right. There is no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land. You make vows and you break them. You kill and steal and commit adultery. There's violence everywhere. One murder after another. But then it says, This is why your land is in mourning and everyone is wasting away. Even the wild animals, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea are disappearing. Scripture is littered 
Littered. Go ahead, New King James. That wasn't the right word to use. Uh, <laughs> it was littered. It was, it's, it's polluted with references. To it. <laughs> Just ask the animals and they'll teach you. This is in Job. Ask the birds of the sky and they'll tell you. Speak to the earth and it will instruct you. Let the fish in the sea speak to you. I mean, I love finding stuff like this in scripture. Yeah. And I feel like it's something that we as Christians need to, again, unearth this stuff do your due yeah. diligence find out what the word says about caring for creation can i can i suggest another podcast to listen to uh if you are looking for more pod go uh is there is there another, another there pod? are others that i've heard of <laughs> the uh the bible project has a phenomenal very very bible nerdy podcast that they kind of talk about leading up to the videos that they create they'll talk and so the last series that they just did on the podcast was all about the son of man which is the what Jesus refers to himself as the most. And it's so it's all about Daniel 7, which they talk about is like actually uh, drawing on the story of all of scripture. And it's it's this incredible like six or seven part conversation. And what surprised me is that a large part of the conversation has to do with mankind's relationship to animals and to the creation created world, at, because that is a part of that broad story that is symbolized in Daniel seven. It's really fascinating. Mm. And I think it, it goes to right. What you, what you were just saying, it's, it's it shows that there's a theme throughout scripture about what our role was meant to be with yeah. this world yeah, and how that role has been twisted. Um, it's just fascinating. So go yeah. listen to that. If that's something that you want to learn more yeah. about. And I love that Dave even used the word steward. Yeah. It uh, connected and attached to this particular broken place of decay. If you're given a good thing, you want to take care of it. Yeah. We tend to use that word related to money. Right. Mm -hmm. But it, it fits with this subject. Mm. It's interesting that, that Daniel has the vision. He's the person who is living out in the exile. His life is being lived yeah. out in the exile. And you know, the Jews believe that the length of the time of the exile was the number of years that they did not follow the letting the land lie fallow every seven right, years. Right. And so that, that, that was an opportunity for God to reset the clock mm. and to give yeah. the land its ultimate rest that they should have been doing rather than just going ahead and farming it all. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We think about the Sabbath as not working one day a week, but as much of a big part of the law involved letting the land rest for one year, every seven. Yeah. It's really, wow. Yeah, and a, oh, yeah. Wow. And where you don't farm. And the, the promise was, if you do that, you'll have enough food from it's, the sixth year to oh, cover yeah. you for the For, for the two seven. years. Two years, yeah. For two years. Which no one, as far <laughs> as we know, ever like did gave it. that a shot. No. <laughs> oh. uh -uh. Whoops. Well, my son took two notes. Here they are. Okay. I gave uh -huh. him a piece of paper and said... This, this half of the sermon is for you. Pay you, attention. You take notes. Because <laughs> I, I knew this was him, but I wondered yeah. if he'd see himself in it. Uh -huh. And his two notes, all they say is, and it makes me, just warms my heart because he's had the same handwriting since like the second grade. So have I. He says, <laughs> God's creation brings me joy and wonder. And then his next line is, I am a steward of creation with an exclamation point. Right on. So yeah. That is why I love this church. And that's why I'm glad we came to this church. Because mm. again, if my children as teenagers can start to feel like they have connected with mm. their God-given calling, yeah. maybe <laughs> as young adults, they'll move into that in <laughs> Jesus' name. I, I, when I was his age, I was being forced to watch John Birch Society movies. That's all I <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Uh, let's just say that is about as anti-communist uh, <laughs> a 
as you can get. It's like, just go look them. Yeah, Google the John Birch Society if you want your hair to stand straight up. That's what we, we would gather in the basement as great, great young teenage boys. Just the boys, by the way. Yeah. yeah. And we would watch these movies about these massive conspiracy theories, much of which had to do with how we're being told that we're not supposed to strip the earth of all of its goodness so that we can live a great, you know, <laughs> so, never. so basically not what Jaden's doing. Yeah. <laughs> Different. Yeah. 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 All right. The last one we were going to talk about today is activists, people who enter into and heal the broken place of hatred. Um, this is most tied, mostly tied to like things like racism mm -hmm. um, when we talk about it. But Dave says activists can get angry, they can be idealists, but they love diversity. They believe that everybody is created in the image of God. The kingdom of God is defined by peace. The kingdom is diverse in nature and hate is antithetical to the kingdom of God. They love conversation, they stir things up and they take plight, they take up the plight of others. Um, but something that he said that he repeated that I want, I just want to talk about as a group quickly is he said, activists like God are not colorblind. Mm. And, uh, I want to talk about what that means. Yeah. What do you guys think that means? Here's what I think it means. Tyler, the last time I sat across from you, you were a different color. Okay. But what? now He's I got appreciate. You've got a tan is what she's trying oh. to say. No, it's not are just a tan. Are you looking at my hairline? It's I'm, like a I'm deep, peeling. You have a deep hue now yeah. that you didn't have before. And I see it and I appreciate it. No, I mean, my husband and I have talked about this a lot because we come from families that were raised to say that they were colorblind, that that's the right yeah. thing to say, you like, know? Like, so what does that mean? That means like, I don't see color. See Everybody's race. equal. They see the everyone yeah. the same. Yeah. They don't see differences. And I think there was a whole generation that that was their catchphrase of yeah. like, hey, I'm colorblind. I was, I was raised colorblind. Right. But I think we've gotten to a point now where we realize the errancy in that statement yeah. because it's a good thing to recognize differences um, and and what's beautiful about those differences. Yeah. I want to be around people who come from other cultures, who look different from me, who speak different languages than I do, who eat different foods than I yeah. do. Can I get an amen? I, I like that <laughs> stuff, yeah. you know? And so I think that that's, to me, that's what that means. We don't want to be blind to the differences. We want to embrace the differences, mm -hmm. um, get to know one another and really get to experience as much as we can um, the beauty and the wealth that comes from people who are different yeah. than us. Right. If uh, we're, if, oh, sorry, go ahead, Tim. I was just going to say that for so long, the vast majority of the immigration into this country came from Europe, the Irish, you know, the Italians, the, you know, you, and, and in the end there was an ability to homogenize those people into oneness because they all kind of looked alike to start with and there was a given of what it was to end up an American mm. and that whole apple cart gets flipped over when you start to bring when you start to talk about the kinds of differences that we're seeing now yeah. mm -hmm. I, and so I know that that was for a long time it was you became you came to this country you learned the one language and you began to live in a manner everyone seemed to be wanting the same kind of thing mm -hmm. and even when people say they're <clears throat> colorblind it probably has more to do with we're 
we're all the same culturally too. Mm. And I, and I, I don't see that yeah. true at all. I'll never forget when I played in the Don Miller band and that was back during the black power thing. And, and one of the guys in the band, he said, he said, I am a beautiful black man. And when you look at me <laughs> and I was just a kid, he said, when you look at me, you see a beautiful black man. Don't ever think that you don't see that I'm a beautiful black man. And I was like, oh, that stuck with me. Mm. Yeah. And I, I appreciated his, well, he yeah. was actually kind of mad, but it was. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I think yeah. there's, I think there's two sides of it, of the whole colorblindness. One, if you're colorblind, you, like you guys have said, you miss the, the beauty and the dignity and the uniqueness of another culture. But you're also, if you're colorblind, you miss the realities that there are historical injustices that have been perpetrated and committed. And, and you miss the story of what creates a culture to be the culture that it is. And so I, there's, I think colorblindness, it, it has both a, you're missing out on a positive and also you're missing out on an opportunity to recognize injustice potentially. Mm. So yeah. we're going to talk a lot about that in hope month in May. In May. Mm -hmm. So gird your loins. Yeah. <laughs> because I think it's going to be a really good conversation. Uh, and this is just one part of that much bigger conversation, yeah. but yeah, I think we've got, we've got some room to grow. Mm -hmm. I think there's one other thing we miss when we say we're colorblind is that we also miss the, the, creative energy of the god who made this world yes wow yeah no i yeah i we are bird we're bird watchers and we have one of the coolest places to watch birds they're all of the same genus mm -hmm. and yet there's slight differences in all of them that make them different and yet beautiful in their own ways and yeah. they all have slightly different patterns and habits and things like that that make them a, the wonderfulness of and birds songs yeah and yeah. and god has done that with us mm -hmm. yeah well i i love that we're doing this i love I, and i love obviously that it, it's tied to dave's book but it's cool to to see some of the responses on social media and emails coming through and i'm sure you guys have uh, have had that re have responses of people who are really trying to like kind of assess themselves and take note mm -hmm. of like, okay, where, where can I heal or what, what am yeah. I passionate about? Where's my calling? Where, where, where's my destiny taking me? That kind of thing. And, um, stuff like this brings us collectively there. Like, like a lot of things maybe don't. So, oh yeah. The I'm, conversations I'm really we've it. had as a family after these services yeah. have been so lively and, you know, we go yeah. out to lunch after church and we're all just engaged in, in these six broken places yeah. and discussing them and where do we see ourselves and we have to care about all of them. So where do you see, yeah. you know, don't, don't ignore one. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. too, um, we are fortunate, I guess, as a community it is really obvious when Dave is speaking that this is where his passion. Yeah. Yeah. He is a very different guy. Uh, he, he probably wouldn't perceive it, but I have seen him preach as much as anybody. Mm -hmm. And I can feel the difference in the room in him when he is talking about this, these things. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's so natural for him. Yeah. And, 
And so it's almost impossible not to be moved by his enthusiasm. Yeah. 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 Where are we going next? What's, so, what's happening next weekend? So next weekend, we're talking about two more broken places. The last two, we're talking about isolation and separation. I'll, mm. be, I'll be preaching. And those two we put together because in some way they both get to the fact that it, that we were not meant to be islands. We were not meant to be isolated people. We were meant to be in community with one another and we were meant to be in community with the God of the universe. Yeah. And so that's what I'll talk about this weekend. Cool. You know, that's, I'm so glad we're talking about that. Now. I mean, I believe that. 100%. <laughs> when I went to school in England, the, the mantra of one of the primary professors at the school that I attended was that you were created to have a relationship with God that could exist on a desert, on an island in the ocean. And you should build your spirit so that you can do this alone with God. And if anybody else happens to come along, that's just a little bit better. But the whole point of this <laughs> wow. is for you to be alone with God forever hmm. and be fine. Wow. And, like, and I lived in that for quite a hmm. while. And, it, and what it actually made me think was that everybody else was stupid. <laughs> trying to have community and yeah, why, focusing why, on that. Why would I need to be with you? Wow. Mm. You know, then my heart mm. resonated with that because when you're young and people are telling who people are a lot smarter than you are telling you that's what the whole point is. You, you go there, but I, right. unfortunately Man, I, I come I, around. That's yeah. no good. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Anyway, Mary, that's, where we're, that's where we're going. I've got lots of thoughts. I'm thinking of <laughs> when I walked through a monastery, a monastery in Ukraine you know, obviously they're a communal society, but also very just alone with God, you know, just monastic in the thinking. And I'm thinking of the uh, super holy monks who wanted to, to completely shut themselves off even from that monastic society and go into isolation. And what it did was drive them insane. Insanity was the end result. I'm trying to think whether I would say that particular professor was crazy. Um, I think it probably affected him. Mm. It affected me. Yeah. Just in my attitude generally towards other people. Because then when you live like that, your only purpose of anything spiritual is for your own self in your own private space. Yeah. So, and, and as a particular person, Calvinism to that because you know if people are going to get saved they're going to get saved whether we do anything about it or not so we don't really have any obligation to move into other people's lives because they're all their lives are already f planned out anyway well that's pretty extreme what no I'm just talking about where that all was <laughs> right where I was coming from <laughs> yeah <laughs> great time to end it yeah there we yeah. go wow alright so wow. Barry you're going to be here next week I'll Tim, be here thanks for coming in yeah. I'm Next time you. we got to get some tunes. We got to get more okay, music on. I, I will say, I gotta say, <laughs> um, if you want some fun, go listen to Vaudeville Smash. Go listen to that tune with the French name on it. It's just so fun. I can't stop. Listening. Vaudeville Smash that tune with the French name. All right. I'm sure, I'll find it. We'll find it right away. <laughs> yeah. All right. right away. Till then, Marin, will you please send us out? I will. Do justly, love, mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. Bye.